Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This is the General Knowledge Podcast and uh, we'll chalk this one up to episode 16. However, it is a little bit different. This one's a swapcast. It only features myself and uh, I am actually a guest on the John LeBon Podcast. So make sure you head over to johnlebon.com. That's J-O-H-N-L-E-B-O-N.com to check out all of his great work over there. And enjoy the podcast uh, that I'm a part of. This is a two-hour podcast. However, this is the first free hour that he provides for uh, all of his listeners, basically. If you want to catch the second hour where we dive even deeper into the topics covered, you'll just have to go and support what he does and subscribe over at johnlebon.com and join up with him. And you'll you'll get access to all of his uh, second hours for all the podcasts that he does. It's really good stuff, folks. I really do encourage everyone to check it out and support what he does. Uh, John is uh, an, an expat, basically. He was born in Australia. He's 32 years old, spends most of his time traveling around trying to unravel the lie system to which we were all born. JLB is primarily known for his work on YouTube, where his eponymous channel attracted over 7,000 subscribers before being terminated for community guidelines reasons. He does have a new YouTube channel, which you can check out. The link will be over there at his website. And over the last few years, JLB has developed and attempted to share an epistemological framework he describes as real skepticism, whereby even the most fundamental truths, which most people generally take for granted, are evaluated on an empirical and logical basis, and no field of inquiry is considered taboo. So thanks again for John LeBond for having me on the podcast. Please enjoy. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street. There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So it's June 3rd, 2020. This is Sometimes Recorded episode number 28. And this one's a little bit different because we're recording this on Skype, but hopefully the uh, quality still comes out all right. But what's more important than the sound quality is the guest quality. And what a special guest we've got today, Lee Maddox, the general, coming to us from somewhere in Queensland, Australia. You don't consider yourself in Brisbane, do you? We're about uh, in Logan, Logan City. Logan City, yeah. Because yeah. you guys from Logan, you don't really consider yourself being part of Brisbane, do you? No, nah, not really, mate. Just outside, on the, on the outskirts, mate. <laughs> it's kind of a fitting motif because we're on the outskirts of what we do, you know what I mean? <laughs> on the fringe. Yeah, you're kind <laughs> of, but you're sort of on the way towards the Gold Coast as well, aren't you? Yeah, we're, we're about 45 minutes from the Gold Coast, 20 minutes from the city. So it's, you know, it's like a satellite city, really. It's like saying yeah, you're in from Ipswich, you know what I mean? Like it's not too far away. Well, I know what you mean, but most of the listeners don't. But I'm sure they can forgive us if we uh, reminisce about... I spent seven years there, you see, Lee, and uh, I think back to my time in southeast Queensland, there were some good times back then, including the day that I met you at the protest. Remember that? Yeah, man. And you remember what that protest was about, or one of the main things that came up in that protest? Which, was that the, one of the vaccine ones we went to? Which One One of the vaccines one. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, And you interviewed, I forget the lady's name now off the top of my head. 
Uh, I forget her name. She's It'll come one to of me. Her followers, yeah. Um, I've got her on my friends list, actually. I'll think of it shortly, too. The listeners can tell we did no prep for this call. If we she's listening, it. we apologize. <laughs> It'll come to be. I actually met her in real life as well, up there on the sunny coast, which yes, is like the northern. Yes, that's where she lives. Yeah, that's right. Um, oh, yeah, you're right. Her name escapes me as well. Well, whatever her name is, she's a good speaker publicly, and she was speaking about vaccines. And I'm sure that'll come up in the talk today. So today, hopefully, if it's cool with you, we'll talk about vaccines. We'll talk about this uh, coronavirus thing, because I thought that yourself and some of your colleagues or some of your associates did some great podcasts on this coronavirus thing. Back when a lot of people, Lee, hadn't worked out this is a scam, you guys were onto it pretty early. Mm. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Mate, well, to me, it it didn't seem... Nothing seemed right about it from the get-go, you know what I mean? Even from when it was just in China, it still seemed odd. There were so many things that didn't add up about it, you know, from from them building makeshift hospitals and spraying the streets with big giant machines and arresting people from their homes. And I was like, what, this is coming out of a city that's so heavily polluted? Like, even back then, I was questioning whether this was actually a virus or if it was air pollution as a result of people actually getting sick. You know, and they're using it to cover up something else, you know. How about that footage of people collapsing? Straight away, I was like, come on, what? This is some kind of super-duper flu where people just collapse on the street? Yeah, That was no way. <laughs> a major red flag right from the start. Oh, to me, it was like, well, they've just caught video footage of a guy either passing out or who's already ill. Like, you could get that from anywhere in the world. You know what I mean? They've just spun it and turned it and gone, this guy's got coronavirus, look at him dying in the streets. You know, they ran with it, so... It could be a guy on drugs, or it could be a guy who's just been told, hey, here's uh, 20 bucks. Can you just pretend? (laughs) Exactly. Like, how would we know as viewers? So, when all these people were taking this footage so seriously, I was like, what? Since when did you go from being skeptical of of what's on the screen to, oh, well, we've got this footage from China, so it must be real? The dissonance involved in this, right from the start, I thought was phenomenal. And you guys were onto that pretty early over at Real News. So, we'll talk about the coronavirus. And then the riots. I'm sure you've been following these riots. We could not have this conversation without talking about the riots a little bit. Indeed. Tell me you've been following the news. Yeah, trying to. I mean, look, at first, from what we've seen at first, as we have been told, I'll say, I don't say I, I believe it, but we've been told it started from a white police officer kneeing on the neck of a black man who passed out and died of asphyxiation and then, uh, yeah, the black the officer was then charged for murder, blah, 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 or manslaughter, whichever one they got him on. I think it was murder, murder third-degree murder or something. Um, and then, of course, now people, the blacks started protesting. You know, African-Americans all got up in arms about it. That's what we've been told. But, um, yeah, I don't, I do not believe in the official, you never believe the official narrative or the narrative that's being portrayed to us on, on the TVs and on the, you know, the things we see in our social media feeds. You just, you cannot take it from on face value. You've got to look at it, um, you've got to sort of take that step back, look at it from a third party perspective, try and, try and look at what they're actually trying to do, not, you know, what they're trying to say. As I say on my website, you know, you've got to read between the lies, not, not the lines, but the lies, you know. They're all lies, but try and read between the lies, basically, to work out what's really going on. Excellent. Well, we'll talk about Real News Australia, which is, of course, your website, which you've been running for how long now have you been running Since that? Since 2012, outlet? man. Wow. Eight years, man. Did you yeah. ever think you'd be in, it, in the game for this long? Um, look, it came to... I'll tell you what. I'll just give you a quick background on where it, so the listeners can, you know... Everyone likes to hear the, the aha moment that people have, right? I mean, I, I wouldn't mind finding out what yours was as well after I tell you mine, but... I was um, working in hospitality at a football club in, in Cooparoo in southeast Queensland, uh, in Australia here, and I had a I was in charge of booking entertainers and all that sort of stuff to come to the venue, and uh, one night we had a soloist coming on, and I didn't really like the guy; he's a bit of a dick to be honest. But I caught him; he was out on the on the on the outside area having a cigarette between his his um, his breaks and so forth, and we had a bit of a chat. And he came up to me, and goes, "Hey, you should check out this DVD." And uh, he said, he goes, do you believe all the things you see on TV and all that sort of stuff? And back then, I wasn't really, so I wasn't believing everything, but, you know, I didn't really consider it. I didn't think twice about it, just kind of went, you know, went with the flow like most people, really. Um, and it was actually the first Zeitgeist film that he gave me. So, I watched, well, actually, no, I, I had that sitting in my, like, I took, like, a shoulder bag to work every day. And I had that sitting in my bag for months, didn't, didn't, didn't touch it, just left it in there. Didn't throw it away, but just left it there. <clears throat> One night, I'm at home. Nothing on TV. 
having a few whiskeys, and I went, what the hell, I'm going to put this thing on, have a look, and that was my turning point from that day, <laughs> you know, like, not that I agree with everything in that film, but it, it made me start looking into stuff, and I was like, well, all the people he, he was showing on the film, I was like, I need to look up this guy, I need to, you know, I started looking into Alex Jones, and then followed his podcast for a while, and you know, obviously, as most people do, you leave you leave Alex Jones where he is, and you find better things, um, you know, and all Jordan Maxwell, and a few other people in his podcast, and I started researching money, and vaccines, and 9-11, and oh my god, yeah, that was my rabbit hole moment then, and, and then, after a while, I, I was listening to the, the Alex Jones podcast, and I was like, he kept saying, you know, all the time on his podcast, way back then, he kept saying, you know, you can do this, you can you can make your own podcast, you should get out there, do a website, do this, just do something, he kept saying this all the time, and I'm like, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to do something, I'm going to start a little blog, and just start posting my thoughts on things, and before I knew it, I was like, because the reason was, I was like, I want something real, you know, like, everything we, we, we see on the news, it's scripted, it's... Um, it's controlled, it's, you know, it's, it's, it has to fit a certain narrative for their, whatever their agenda and their paradigm is at the time. And I didn't want that. I wanted to do something that was real. It was, you know, it was raw. It was what exactly I thought about things. It was what I'd found and other information, you know, so I've got stuff on there from way back and, um, that's where it all started. That was my aha moment. And here I am today, I'm still going, you know, I, I, I had, I had regular gigs on, um, on a Gold Coast, um, talk, uh, what was it? Talking back the night with Christian Argenti was the guy's name. He had a a nationwide um, radio show from like nine p.m. till two a.m. or something, you know, or one a.m. or whatever it was, and it was national. It was anyone could tune in well, uh, Australia wide and hear the show. And he had me on once a week, even doing a, a like a fifteen minute spot. Uh, covering real news he wanted he liked what i did and he wanted to put me on nationally so you know i did that for a few months as well which was awesome um and i was like yeah this is really good and i sort of had a bit of a hiatus for a while and then just went no nah, got to get back into this i'm just so fed up with everything going on like i can read like once you're awake to it you can read between the lies and things it it, it gets to you like yeah it starts eating away at you you're like I, I need to talk about this i need to tell people i need to show people what's really going on i just went nah, bang hell for leather um, yeah, kept pumping out the articles and then I was like, nah, got to do a podcast, need to do a podcast, need to talk to people, like-minded people. And yeah, eventually hooked up with, um, like Adam Kraz from the Kraz, uh, Adam Crabb from the Kraz Files and then Ethan Nash, of course, from TOTT News, you know, um, and we have our, our mate Andy on board with us that does the general knowledge podcast with us. So that's been going strong now for nearly two years. So that's me, man. <laughs> that is an excellent introduction. Thank you very much for that. So much to talk about. So you said that you started Real News in 2012. Mm. Do you remember what year it was that you saw Zeitgeist? Um, probably maybe 2011, probably only like a year before. Um, wow. So when I met you, you'd really only been exploring these things for maybe three years. Yeah, man. Yeah, not, not too long at all. But once you do... You just can't get enough. Once you you realize that everything, you know, you, you've pulled that wall away from your eyes, you've pulled the curtain away and you're looking at the wizard on his, you know, pedaling away on the bicycle you know, like Wizard of Oz, it, it, you just need to talk about it. You need to tell people and you got to do something about it, you know. Well, when I first met you, I'd only been in the scene for maybe a year or so. Mm. So when I met you and obviously you dressed very well for that protest and you had your uh, microphone and I think you even had the uh, the logo. Yeah, I had my shirt. I think I had a shirt, yeah. Was it the shirt? Polo yeah, shirt. and so you just you seemed very professional in what you were doing, and Ethan had spoken very highly of you, and I was like, wow, this guy knows what he's doing. Turns out you'd only been in the game for a couple of years. You were still <laughs> pretty much a rookie at the time. Yeah, well, the idea was to, you know, if you come along and you're looking a bit drab and you're just wearing a dodgy T-shirt and shorts or, you know, you don't really look the part, people might not want to talk to you so much. I figured... You know, like I don't want to look like a, a one of these journalists you see doing news reports, but I wanted to be at least close to it. You know, so uh, that was the that was the the idea behind it anyway. Just to look a little bit more professional, like we sort of know what we're doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even though we really didn't, and we were just sort of well, making it worked. You gave me the impression that you'd been doing it for years. So, and I guess you had three years, but no, you came across as um, as being well across everything. But I guess in the six years since we first met, you would have learned way more about what's going on. Certainly, oh. I have. Absolutely. So much that you even start to forget things that you already knew. And when you come across them again from people that you see on social media who have, you know, perhaps only just sort of woken up, I guess you'd say, 
uh, and they start posting things. You're like, oh, I remember that. I, I, I knew about that years ago. You know, it kind of refreshes your memory on things. It's really cool. <laughs> Is it a little bit embarrassing that, well, maybe not for you, but people like me, we wrote off a lot of Alex Jones, what he was saying. And because I fell for the Doom porn back in like 2015, 16, I fell for it. And Same. I was like, not a real prepper, but I had all this spare food that I would keep below the stairs of the apartment I was living in. I had all this spare water in case the water stopped for some reason. Not that I thought that that would happen, but I was prepared for it in case, you know, and then I kind of grew out of that in a way. But now given what's going on in the world, it's almost like, not that I owe Alex Jones an apology, but maybe he was not quite as far off the money as uh, as I thought, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I what you're saying. I never went that far. I never really did the whole, you know, storing food and things like that. Look, I, I bought a few of his DVDs and I've got, I still got, I've got an Infowars cap that I still wear from time to time, you know. Um, that was about as far as I, I went into going along with uh, that side of things. I never really- Did you ever buy it. any tangy tangerine? I did actually, I did. I tried it. You know, I thought, you know, I'll, I'll give this stuff a go. I, I didn't mind it. To me, it kind of just tasted like you're drinking staminate or something, you know, when you mix it into water. Um, but I, you know, I had a few of those and I was like, yeah, well the cost to me, it was a cost benefit analysis. And I went, nah, it's too expensive. You know, like I did find people in Queensland actually that were actually selling it, but it was still expensive. And I went, yeah, I can, I mean that whole, yeah, that was, <laughs> they didn't call it one, but it was a pyramid scheme. You know, that whole, um, longevity and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's pyramid marketing and selling. So, uh, even though they denied it, but it still is. And I, I wasn't a big fan of that sort of thing. If you're going to sell a product and, uh, maybe, yeah, I just didn't like that format, to be honest. But, oh, yeah, I didn't get into the whole Doom porn stuff either. I, I didn't really fall for that. Like, it was interesting. I try and take as much stuff on board as I can. But my, there was something in, in me that just went, eh, look, they're never going to wipe us out completely. Like, this whole Georgia Guidestones keep the you know, population under 500 million, etc. Uh, look, I'm not buying it. Like, I guess I do agree they probably do want to not necessarily reduce the world's population. I just think they want to reduce our reproductive rate um so that we're not reproducing as quickly um that's probably my angle on that sort of side of things but and they've already successfully done it though haven't they really (laughs) yes indeed mate look at um you know birth birth and death rates in most countries we're not replacing ourselves at the moment we're still breeding but uh there's more people dying than there are births from for most places you know what i mean uh populations are still growing of course but there's a lot of third nation third world nations that are, are boosting those numbers i mean we can't i don't, I don't even know if we can actually trust the official numbers anyway because you know i'm not taking a head count of you <laughs> well well you've done it now now i've got to ask you because most listeners of johnthebond.com are very skeptical of things like the official population do you know what currently is the supposed official estimate of the world's population right now as of june 2020 uh i'll i'll just i won't look it up i'm not touching a mouse or a keyboard i'll just field a guess here and i'll say 7.2 billion is what their official number is that's a pretty good guess but it's half a billion people off right now they're saying 7.7 billion which if you're rounding to the nearest billion is 8 billion right yeah now when i was a child it was 6 billion so and i'm only 32 years old so the official estimate and they admit that it's an estimate, but this is their best estimate, has risen 2 billion in my short lifetime. Mm. In the space of 20, 25 years, it's mm. risen 2 billion. And when we look around, when you take a look around, Lee, you can see that most of your friends probably have two children or less. There might be some exceptions, but most people have one child in Australia or less. Some have two, but it's rare that they have more than that these days. And countries throughout Europe are the same. The US... Certain demographics are the same. They don't have children anymore. So we're looking around and we're going, we're not replacing ourselves, but the Earth's population is rising by 2 billion in the space of 20, 25 years. Seems a little bit suspicious, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, I don't buy it. I mean, yes, there are crowded cities. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of crowded places in the world, but when you're on the scope of it, if you you look at how big and how much space there really is, uh, to me, it doesn't seem so crowded anymore. You know what I mean? When you you look at how much room there is. I mean, I'm in, like I said, I'm in Southeast Queensland and you've only got to drive 10 minutes down the road and it's, you know, there's, there's so much acreage and there's so much space around, you know what I mean? And then you go over, you drive another 20 minutes and you're, you're in the bush pretty much, mate. You know, there's no one, there's hardly anyone around, you know. I've driven from Melbourne to Brisbane several times inland mm-hmm. and you don't have to drive far before you're out of the city. And the vast majority of that drive, it's about 20 hours, I think. The vast majority of that, there's no one around at all. No, it's zero it's, people. Yeah, exactly. And they and they're trying to tell us that there's you know what twenty around twenty 
five million people in Australia. I mean, I mean, Australia is pretty big landmass wise. I mean, we're roughly the same landmass size, area size uh, as the United States, the continental United States. People don't realize that, but um, you know, they've they apparently have three hundred and thirty million, and we've only got twenty five million. So I guess it can kind of seem like you know we have less people. I guess, but um, you know, we're all around the, the the we're an island. So I mean the entire population is around the outskirts of the country. You know, there's hardly anyone on the interior. That's correct. The US even isn't... that inland drive I told you about, most of that isn't like inland through the so-called desert. It's just, you know, slightly inland from the east coast. Well, you're still, that's on, all you, you're still on... That's this, all you have to be yeah, you're still to on the avoid coastals, all the people. You're still on the coastal yeah. side of the Great Dividing Range. You haven't even that's crossed right. the other exactly. side. You know? Exactly. So, so where are all these people? Where yeah. are they all? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very uh, sceptical about it. So, yeah, 8 billion, I'm not so sure about that. So, I think we've done a pretty good uh, opening 15 minutes here. So, the topics that people can expect us to talk about today, vaccines, coronavirus, riots, bushfires. I want to talk a little bit about Australian topics. Most of the listeners to this will be, at least on my website, will be non-Australians. But I think, given that I'm talking to an Australian, I can't help but run some Aussie news past you, including the bushfires especially. I want to get your take on that. So, we've got heaps to talk about here today. I think we'll fill the two hours Quite easily, I'd oh, say. Oh, sure, mate. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start off with Real News Australia then. People have got the idea. So you started it in 2012 and now you have a podcast, you've got a Facebook page, a website. Tell us about some of the numbers that you're getting. I've seen that you're getting thousands of downloads on your podcasts, which is impressive. Yeah, yeah. We're. Um, I just had a look just before I started uh, the call with you just to check to see where we're at. We're... We did a show uh, on Sunday and we, I put it up on Monday evening and that particular one look it's it's just hit 252 downloads now in less than two days or about two days now but uh overall it's just about 20,000 downloads now and we've done less than 40 episodes um so it's going it's going pretty good i think people are enjoying it um i think the format's good we try and cover roughly three important topics that um sort of per episode depending sometimes uh, if Ethan can't join us, Andy and I'll just sort of spitball and we'll try and just delve into to perhaps one topic. Um, yeah, but it's good fun. Uh, I really enjoy it. I try to make it a bit light, a bit cheeky. Um, you know what I mean? It's it's good fun. The website, you know, realnewsaustralia.com for anyone out there who wants to check it out, please do. Um, you know, like I said, been going since 2012. Um, getting close to a million views all up since then which look it's not massive but it's pretty good I've had a few articles of mine go viral around the world um, thanks <laughs> one of them thanks to Alex Jones's InfoWars to be honest they put one up um, uh, quite a few years ago with regards to the Hegelian dialectic which was one of my most popular articles um, and that leads into my next question because you mentioned that when you were on the ARP so yep. you came on to the ARP as a guest a couple times and you mentioned that that uh, InfoWars had republished one of your articles in it got thousands and thousands and thousands of views that you never expected. Oh, correct. And it was on this Hegelian dialectic, mm. which these days, or at least maybe not these days, but back in 2015-16, these people were talking about this a lot, this Hegelian dialectic. It was almost like uh, one of those things you have to know as a so-called truther. So for the listeners who aren't aware, this Hegelian dialectic, why don't you give us the 411? Right, so... It was based. Because we're on, seeing it right now with the riots, aren't we? Well, theory. that's right. There's three words that, if you want to look up the Hegelian dialectic, the the main sort of three thing, three words that will come to mind um, is problem, reaction, solution. So these are very important. You'll hear a lot of, um, I guess we'll call them truthers or people who do what we do. You'll hear a lot of us talk about that and mention that um, this problem, reaction, solution. So it's it's basically based on manufacture a problem. The public will react to that problem and call for a solution and the solution has been predetermined from the beginning which will be served up um so it's basically a way of steering the steering the narrative or steering the, the population to be honest uh, to do what you want them to do uh from the beginning but to make it look like that they're the ones asking for it um now that went yeah, so up. why don't you bottle people up in their houses for two months and ruin the economy trash the economy and then just when you're about to let everybody out have some crystallizing event that gets publicized all over the world. It's front page news. It's the leading story news of some injustice. Then have people reporting about all these protesters and, hey, look, the protesters are doing bad things and they're getting away with it, right? Maybe have a few bricks lying around. And next thing you know, you've got this big problem, looters smashing up buildings. Now, what's the solution to this? How about the National Guard? How about the military? Just yeah. waiting to go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I mean, they may even start calling for, 
I mean, it, to me, they I haven't. I know they're going to try and go for a gun grab with this one too. You know, like it's only a matter of time before some, you know, the people who have the right to bear arms in America start using those arms to defend themselves and their properties, and you know, perhaps even shooting some of these people. Uh, and you know, then it'll be a gun grab possibly. So that, that, that's one avenue that they could go down. I mean, it seems to be the. They wanted. That's definitely one of the things they want to do is to disarm Americans. You know what I mean? They're one of the nations, the only nation, one of the only nations in the world. I think there's another one that, um, you know, where the citizens basically have the right to bear arms, and I think Switzerland is even the other one where they have to because they don't have a national army, so the citizens have the uh, have the right to remain armed and actually <laughs> create a militia when needed. Um, yeah, I think the official story is that they're one of the most heavily armed civilian populations in the world, Switzerland. But we don't hear very much about them because it doesn't fit the narrative hmm. that we're being told. Like, yeah, it doesn't fit the narrative. Oh, guys, there's a population of people who are heavily armed. They're trained with the guns. They've all got the guns lying around in their houses. But there's almost none of these deaths that we hear about elsewhere. doesn't really support the narrative that we're being sold, which is that, guys, guns kill people. You can't have guns. You can't have the people having guns. It doesn't fit that narrative. So we don't hear about it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I personally don't have a problem with firearms. I mean, I, I have used some in the past. Um, I don't own any, but, you know, I... I I used to live next door to a, a gentleman who owned several rifles and would go shooting and, you know, he'd seen me, he'd, he'd shown me the weapons and let me feel comfortable with them, held them and all that sort of stuff, you know, like, uh, it's, I mean, look, the gun grab that happened here in Australia, folks, from, was after Port Arthur, the Port Arthur so-called massacre, which was also a staged event, was it was our first false flag, I guess, here in this country, you know, that, that was when they went for the guns back then, um, and that's, that's basically left Australia without sort of semi-automatic and automatic weapons. Not that we really had a lot, a lot of them anyway, but if anyone in Australia wants to get a gun, they can still get a gun. You know what I mean? Biker gangs, and they all still have weapons. You know what I mean? They all have, If there's a will, there's a way. If they want a weapon, they'll get a weapon. Um, still going to be very difficult to get big, automatic, large-caliber kind of weapons, but you know, if they want to get them, they'll get them. What's bizarre about that is that according to the official figures, there's more guns in Australia now than there were before Port Arthur. Yeah, I know. I've, and I've that's read the official that too. Figures. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because a lot of people strange. have this idea of, oh, they took away all Australia's guns. And it's like, no, they didn't. You can still get a gun. Yeah. You just have to go through certain, uh, you know, red tape to do it. So, for example, I think in Queensland, and you would probably know more than I would about this, but I think it's basically if you know a guy who owns a certain amount of land, a certain minimum amount of land, he's allowed to get a gun through the idea of being a farmer or something like this. So all you need to do is to basically get his, um, I don't know, like, I don't want to use the word verification, but basically with his permission, you can say that you're using the gun on his property or something like this. Now, don't quote me on that. Anyone in Queensland, you might know the rules better than me, but it's basically as simple as if you know the rules to follow, whatever those rules are, you can still get a gun. You yeah, can I mean, still do it. You can say that you're, you're a sports shooter. Um, you know, there's sports shooting, um, you know, target practice and all that sort of stuff here in Australia, you know. I mean, we have gold medalist rifle, you know, um, shooters in Australia. So, I mean, you can, sports shooting is a thing and you can actually, yeah, like I said, you can own a weapon in suburbia um, if, as long as you, I guess, use it for recreational purposes. That's fine. <laughs> and then there are rules about how you store it as well. I think you have to have it stored in a certain uh, fashion. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's a certain... Yeah, you've got to have like the bolt taken out of it if they're bolt action and all that sort of stuff. You know, you can't have them with the gun. It's got to be separate and locked up in a lockable cupboard, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there's definite restrictions. Yeah, yeah for sure. But the, the central point remains that you can still own guns. However, they did at least in theory make it more difficult to get certain weapons. But just on Port Arthur, I don't mean to put you on the spot. This was back in, what, 96 or 97? So we're talking more than 20 years ago now. What's your opinion on, on Port Arthur? Because the official story is that some dude... Uh, some dude with like mental disabilities decided to shoot a whole bunch of people and what was it 20 people thereabouts he shot in a little um, place down in Tasmania which is like an island a huge island actually on the south of Australia that's the story what do you what's your take on that my take is that um, like I mentioned earlier it was definitely a, a false flag and this this guy was basically the patsy he was set up to take the fall um, you know a gentleman of low iq um wasn't you know he did i believe do believe he did own uh some firearms he did he was he, he did shoot sometimes uh, but yeah he we actually did a podcast on this so folks want to go and check out the general knowledge podcast we and scroll back uh to the first season i believe we we did cover a, a port arthur style episode i do believe it was around the around the same time as the christchurch uh, massacre so that was 
uh, just over a year ago. It was in March sometime. But uh, yeah, definitely a, a false flag event. I do believe it was designed to aid in removing as many... Well, I guess the uh, removing semi-automatic and, and definitely automatic type weapons from the Australian people to disarm us in a way that um, if you know a militia an armed militia couldn't really take control or go up against any sort of military or police style forces like I said you can still own bolt action weaponry and um, some pistols and so forth but this this thing took away the ability for uh, for Aussies to basically have you know like magazine large magazine fed uh, semi-automatic rifles and stuff uh, well, what I'll do is I'll put a link to that episode. Yeah, for sure. We'll put it in the show notes, yeah. I'll put it in the show notes so that people can check that out directly. You know, there are some people out there, Lee, and again, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but there are some people out there who think that this was an event where people died and got hurt, but the culprit was, like you said, a patsy. Then there are people who think, actually, nobody died, nobody got hurt, the whole thing was staged. It sounds to me like you're more of the former camp. You think people did die or get hurt, but it just wasn't Martin who did it, it sounds like. Yeah, to me... Um well, considering there was things like, you know, large morgue trucks that can hold large amount of um, casualties, there were, you know, um, casualty exercises happening in the same town and, uh, you know, people were trained with regards to those events, uh, all leading up to that. So I, I do believe there were people that were killed. Uh, oh, look, and again, I, I'm happy to have my mind changed. I don't know. I don't know them. I don't know for sure, but I have read um people and watched interviews with people who uh were there who had survived and so forth and or who had said that you know they'd lost loved ones there and um from what i've seen it it was uh, uh i do think it was definitely a massacre that from like i said I'm, I'm willing to have my mind changed on it but my standpoint at the moment is that i, I do think it was a massacre I well you know who's going to be loving this my main man <laughs> Lindsay the silver fox he's going to be loving this call because he believes that people did die or get hurt and of course, Lindsay was on the ARP with myself and Ethan back in the day. Yeah, I remember the first Lindsay. podcast that I ever did, and that you were a guest on a couple of times. Lindsay does believe that people died or got hurt, but he and I are happy to agree to disagree. Neither of us tries to change each other's minds on this. And this is what gets me about the so-called truth movement. So often you'll see people who agree on so many things. Then there's one area where they disagree, and it's like that becomes the entire focus point of their conversation or of their breakdown of conversation. It's like, well, if we can't agree on this, we can't talk anymore. Whereas in myself and Lindsay, it was like, well, he believes people died or got hurt. I don't. Big deal. No one cares. You know, we as can have our opinions. As long as What's you're both problem? open to receiving new information that could contradict your belief. You know what I mean? Like, like I said, I, I'm willing to have my mind changed. You know, and I think everyone sort of needs to be in that sort of position where, you know, if something new comes up or, you know, other evidence presents itself or, you know... That comes along that's new, and if you take it on board, then you go, Oh, you know what? Maybe that, that that shifts my belief a little bit. As long as you're open to having that done, I guess that's probably to me, that's the best way to look at things. Like I said, uh, I was willing to have my willing, I'm always willing to have my mind changed on everything. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to talk about 9 11, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, my position is that they weren't, they didn't fly planes into the buildings, you know, like I'm, I'm willing to have my mind changed on that. But I was originally at the standpoint where I did believe there were planes flown into buildings and I had new information come on board. I went, oh, well, it looks like there wasn't. <laughs> so that's now my standpoint. You know, I'm willing to have it changed. Yeah, that's the way to be. Well, with Lindsay, I don't know if you know this. Did you ever meet him at the protest? No, did you I don't meet think him I met person? him. No, I, I've okay. listened to him many times, of course, in the podcast that you did, but I haven't met him. Oh, for sure. He's a legend. He's a living legend of Australia, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I like to think that back in the day, most Aussie men were like him. You know what I mean? Because we've changed a lot. The Australian society has changed so much. And I, I like to think that back in the day, more dudes were like him. You know what I mean? Mm. He's just got that that genuine Aussie spirit about him that seems very rare these days. But that's that's Forget why I have Andy on my podcast because he's he's older than Ethan. I mean, Ethan's the youngest, and I'm sort of middle aged, and Andy's you know like another ten or so years older than me. So it's good to have an that the generational differences in your amongst your um, your opinions coming to you because and amongst the people that you're you're with, uh, I've. Just gives that extra, you know, when he speaks, he's, he's, I guess he's probably more along the lines of Lindsay like that. Yeah, he's on that, the different generation. He, I know Lindsay's older again still, but um, you're right. It's good to have that generational difference because you can, you know it when they speak, you know what I mean? You can hear it in their voice and their, and uh, their convictions, you know, they're much different to the way you, when you talk to younger people now, for sure. And the, the stories that they have to share. So for instance, when we used to talk about gun rights, my philosophy back in 2014 was sort of like a libertarian 
people should be allowed to have guns because why should the government stop them? Which I'm not necessarily, I'm not saying I disagree with that now, but I've got a more nuanced view on the whole thing. But at the time, that's where I was coming from. And then to hear Lindsay explain that back when he was a kid, people would just have guns in the back of their ute or the back of their car. And no one for a moment would think to go and take that guy's gun and shoot people. Just hearing someone explain, because for me growing up, there were never guns lying around. I never saw a gun randomly. And the way that Lindsay explained it was, well, back in the day, you did. And it wasn't a big deal. Just to have someone explain that to you is, yeah. a, big, is a big thing. And Ethan and I were very lucky to have Lindsay there at the time. But here's where I'm going with this. Lindsay uploaded a YouTube video talking about Martin Bryant and basically explaining why Martin Bryant didn't do it. Right, Regardless of what was done, it wasn't this long-haired Martin Bryant. And that video is now up to over 50,000 views. Can you believe that? Mm, awesome. Our, our, our man, Lindsay the Silver Fox, has a 50,000-plus YouTube video saying that Martin didn't do it. Man, it should be more. It should be hundreds of thousands. There should, people should be listening to this sort of stuff. Sure, I agree with you. But mm. at the same time, in our little corner, sometimes it's hard to get much traction with these oh, videos because YouTube is not helping us. Yeah, for you know sure. what I mean? Like, the algorithms are not on our side. Mm. So to have the Silver Fox get, yeah, more than, I mean, that's basically Suncorp Stadium. Basically a Suncorp Stadium full of people listening to Lindsay say, Martin didn't do it. Yeah, how good's that? That's fantastic. Well done, that's Lindsay. Amazing. Yeah, so uh, I'm sure he'll be listening out there and he'll be feeling pretty chuffed about all of it. He's such a humble guy though. Such a hum- <laughs> If he was here right now, he'd be trying to downplay the conversation. It's like, Lindsay, <laughs> proud of yourself, mate. This is fantastic. He's modest. He's modest. Good on him. Apparently, that's the way they always to be. So you did mention the Kras files. For those who don't know, who were the Kras files and uh, what's your relationship with them? Uh, yeah, Adam Crab is his name and Adam started up his own. He used to do a podcast with a bloke uh, called Mick Raven called the Conspiracy Oz podcast. I do believe Mick still does his podcast. Um, and I was on that several times and sort of joined them as, as one of the regulars for quite some time. That was my first uh, delve into doing podcasts. Uh, and then... Adam sort of went on his own. He kind of, he and Mick, not didn't have a falling out, but they wanted to go their separate ways and do different things and take the shows in different directions. So Adam started doing his own stuff and his own website. And before you know it, he's um, he built up a, a really good platform. He started doing lots of podcasts and he does them fairly regularly or a couple a week. I think maybe sometimes, you know, he's got some really good guests, some international guests on as well. He had blokes like John Rappaport uh, on his guests fairly regularly. He has... People from, uh, well, mainly from America and Australia on as, as his guests, uh, sometimes the UK as well. Uh, but he, yeah, they, it does really well. He, he challenges the narrative as well. And I think I do encourage a lot of people to actually go over and support and, and check out what um, what Adam does because he's pretty much along the same lines as Ethan and myself and uh, and I guess for, for yourself as well. He just, you know, does not believe that mainstream narrative. He's fed up with it as well, you know, and he... He does a really good show. I, I really enjoy it. I listen to it regularly. I'm glad you mentioned the Conspiracy Oz podcast because mm. I did listen to that thanks to Ethan. Because when, when I first met Ethan, all I really knew was the Americans and the Canadians talking about the fake shootings. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know anything about Australian independent media. So thanks to Ethan, I started listening to the, the Conspiracy Oz podcast. Mm. He's got such a beautiful voice for it, doesn't he? Yeah, well, he could have been a professional. He, he, he is actually, ah, a, yeah, so he's, he's got a good dulcet tones. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. But he, he very much comes from the Alex Jones style of, uh, of news analysis, doesn't he? Yeah. And I don't mean that as a criticism. I'm just sort of saying that, you know, that's kind of his thing. But between yourself, Kraz, Mick Raven, and then the guy who runs, the guy who kind of comes from like a Christian angle. Do you know who I'm talking about? Ethan was a guest on there once. I forget the name of it. Um, Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, starts with J. Um, I'm just trying to think. Off the top of my head, I can't remember it. But there's another guy. There you go. You're right. That, my point is there's another guy who does podcasts in Australia, and the name will come to me. But you guys would basically make up the bulk of the alternative media, at least from the coming at the news from the angle that, that we come at it from. That's pretty much the vanguard of Australian alternative media, isn't it, right there? Yeah, I would say so. There's there, there probably are a few here and there that, that do it, but um, I think we've been doing it probably longer, and we've we've got a good a good following. Um, Harrywood Fenton, that's the one. Oh, Harrywood Fenton, yeah, yeah. Uh, Truth News Radio, I'm pretty sure that's Harrywood's, yeah. Okay, yeah. He's based in the States, though, I'm pretty sure. He's not actually based here in Australia. Oh, is that so? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he lives in the US. Oh, there you go. Um, so I, I think between Harrywood, yourself... Kraz, Mick Raven, and Ethan, I think the the five of you, or those five outlets, I think that's pretty much 
the bulk. Like you said, there could be others, but the Australian alternative media landscape is very small, isn't it? Even though the population is small, I mean, even factoring that in, it is phenomenal how few people do this. Yeah. Well, to the to the standard uh, uh, that we do, I mean, I, I would put Ethan up as, I mean, he sits well above even mainstream media outlets in my point of view. Um, and yeah, then definitely, I would, I would definitely put myself under him. Um, but, you know, the, the level that we do it at is better than a lot of people that are doing it. I mean, it's great to see people trying and getting out there and putting stuff up. Um, and I really encourage people to keep doing it because the more of us doing it, the better, to be honest. Um, but a lot of it, no, I've noticed lately, John, and you're probably the same, it all seems to be social media based now. It's not, people aren't going to the the level of creating a website, creating their own podcast. They're just going straight to Facebook, doing a video on, you know, or Facebook Live or um something like that and you know or or instagramming things and and that's it you know they don't go to the extra level of that that we're doing it at and i really wish they would because they've they seem to have some really good some people they have some really good followings and uh if only they channeled that into uh, i guess a more professional style platform and things i think it'll be a lot better for them going forward i don't even have a uh, facebook page and you're right so much of of the so-called truth movement we're using this term in a very loose sense but so much of this kind of content is facebook based and it's like how long do you think you your page can last on facebook how how many many times do you hear them you know reports of people being shut down pages closed you know know, violating their community standards etc etc just for posting stuff that we post on our own websites you know what i mean and you can't share that on there for you know for the things that we want to talk about because that's what they'll do they'll control the narrative they'll shut you down um same with youtube you know a lot of people are just going straight to youtube all the time you know yeah look if you want to put it up there that's that's you know go for it put it up there but don't just put it up there put it up somewhere else create like a bit shoot one or somewhere else you know you cannot just have all your eggs in one basket. You've got, you've got to diverse a little bit because if they shut that down, you've got that rigmarole of trying to go through and put it all back up again or go through somewhere else, you know. Um, it's, yeah, I, I, I don't... Th- if I could get off Facebook um, and just get rid of it altogether, I would. But um, just like what Adam says, you know, as much as we hate it, it is actually a very powerful tool. Fight fire with fire in a sense, you know. Um, as much as it's controlled and, you know, I know my views aren't up there and I, I could, here's how it is for, for me, right? I can go to Real News Australia official on Facebook. That's my page. I can just write a post and put it up or even share one of my articles and put it up and it might reach maybe, uh, let's say for example, 200 people, which is fuck all. But if I, if Ethan puts an article up and I share his on my page, it could reach 2,000 people. If I The things that I share reach more people than the native posts that I make on my page. And that's because Facebook obviously changed their model to making it that you, if you want to reach people, you've got to give them money. And I refuse to pay anything to Facebook to promote my posts and all that sort of stuff. I would rather, I'd rather send it to Ethan, get him to post it, and then I'll share it. And I know it'll reach more people. Because like, he every time we do a podcast, he... I put my own up and it's it's there. It reaches very minimal people. He'll do very similar, his own style, put it up on his old... I will share his and it reaches way more people. Like, I don't get it. I really... It annoys the shit out of me. But, uh, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm saying. I, I'd love to get off Facebook, but it is a powerful tool. You just got to work around these little nuances with it to, to reach people. Yeah, your central point is that it's still useful, so why not use it? I'm totally on board. And you're right. The problem is if you put everything, if you put all your eggs in one basket, then if that basket gets snatched away from you, then it's all over. Yeah, correct. So, and a lot of people are just relying on Facebook groups. But if I'm reading in between the lines correctly, are you suggesting that Ethan is paying to promote his pages on Facebook. I'm pretty sure he is. So I'm pretty sure he actually said to me that he is. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Next time I speak to him, let's ask him how much he's, he's paying because it comes down to a cost-benefit analysis. Like I, me personally, well, if, if I've he... got no issue giving money to Facebook. I've never done it. But if I thought, hey, if I invest 50 bucks in promoting on Facebook, but the return on that is even two new members on the site, well, then from a pure cost-benefit analysis, it's worth doing it. And Ethan's a smart dude. So I would be surprised if he hadn't sat down and done the numbers. If well, you get I do, what I mean. To me, I would suggest that he's probably doing it a bit more now that he has 
member subscribers and he has a bit more coming in uh, as a result of changing the way he does his website of course he has a lot of free content but he has member subscription ones and then of course paid ones and so forth um you know what I mean? So if he's got income coming out, then he can afford to put a little bit aside to then promote those sort of things. Whereas oh, with every fiber of my being, I cannot bring myself to give money to Facebook, mate. No matter how much benefit I would get from it, I just don't want to give them money. You know what I mean? Like, they take so much from us. I don't want to give them money. <laughs> that's just, I totally That's my understand. point of view. <laughs> 100% totally understand. I've I'd never ra- spent a cent on promotion with Google, Facebook, Instagram, yeah. any of these places. I, and I very... keep meaning to do it. Honestly, I do because some of the people I've met over the last, because obviously I'm traveling in Kuala Lumpur right now, a lot of the people I've met run online businesses. Now, not in the field that we're in, but in all different fields. And every time one of these people meet me and they find out what I do, and then when they ask me, well, how much are you spending? I'm like, I haven't spent a cent. You should see the look in their faces. They're like, you are missing out. The, the way they explain it to me, and this has happened to me several times, they're like, sit down, spend $20. They're like, if it's the money you're worried about, just spend $20 on a few key terms and see what return you get on that. If you don't get a return, fine, don't do it again. But you'll probably get a return and this will be the start of something very special for you. Like you've got all the content there, just invest the money and promote. And I keep meaning to do it and it's just one of those things I just haven't done. And I think partly for the same reason as you, it's just part of my brain is like, no, I don't need to pay money to promote this stuff. I can promote it myself. And what these guys are explaining is, yeah, but like however far you think you're going to get without using Facebook to your advantage, you'll get further with them. So why not try? So I, I can see both sides. Yeah. So if Ethan is one step ahead of me with Facebook promotion, then I say good. In fact, it doesn't surprise me because he has come a long way in the last 12 months, hasn't he? 12 oh, or 18 months. Big time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definite respect to Ethan, man, for sure. That's why I said I, I've been uh, letting my listeners know in previous uh, podcasts that um, this the first two seasons... You know, everything's been absolutely free and so forth. But come season three of the podcast, uh, there will still be a fortnightly one that we try and do every fortnight, which will be free for everyone. But I'm going to start doing them every single week and that every off week uh, will be for my Patreon subscribers only. So it'll only go to the people who, who want to actually listen to it. Um, and I'm going to try and build, build it that way. Um, and then model, of course, the extra the, revenues that you're getting from doing that, if that does then lead you to spend a few dollars on Google or Facebook or what have you, if you can expand your reach even further, then your basic points, your basic message, your basic information goes to more people. So it's a win-win-win. And the only problem is this problem that some of us have with, oh, I don't want to give my money to these companies. And it's like, okay, fine, but that just means your ideas get to less people. And the whole reason why we do this is to get our ideas to more people. How's this though, John? (laughs) So if you say, for example, you want to, would you say you would promote the site through what Google and search terms and stuff? Is that one thing you would do? Yeah, the, the three that people seem to be recommending are Google, Facebook, and then Instagram. Apparently, you can't pay for Instagram promotion. I don't know the first thing about the Instagram part, but I've met some people who are like, that's the main thing they promote on, which I didn't even know you could promote on that until I spoke to these people. Yeah, okay. So uh, I guess, look, it obviously does work for some people, but who's to say, and I've always been skeptical of this because who's to say, like, if you give money to, say, Google or, you know, to increase your or your, your, your search engine optimization terms and all that sort of stuff, uh, or YouTube to promote views or something who's to say like they could then give you a report and say oh here look look how many more views you've got and so forth who's to say that they just didn't generate that to show you that you to make you think that you're doing well or it's it's working for you to make you spend more money and go oh look it is working here's more money like there's part of that's my brain that question. goes there's that's goes you know, question, could be you ripping check- you off you know yeah that's a good question but you can check your metrics like say with you with podbean right google can't manipulate your podbean download stats or your service stats for your website, you can check those stats. Correct. Uh, Google can't manipulate them. I mean, in theory, Google could just build a whole bunch of bots to visit your site. Like, well, I guess that's are. possible. There are definitely bots visiting your site for sure. Yeah, that's just how they work. But but if you were to look over all of your metrics, I think you could make your own inferences. Is this organic traffic or not? Mm. And then And then again, it comes down to the cost-benefit analysis. And once you start running a Patreon or a membership section on your site, then that's that's like a real money assessment. You know, if you spend 30 bucks on a Facebook page promotion of a of a page that you've done and then at least $100 more of patrons, then even if that $30 comes from Google and they're trying to trick you, well, uh, bad luck, Google, because you just gave me 70 bucks, didn't you? You know what I mean? Mm. So 
I think that's kind of the way that people look at it. And again, I haven't spent a cent. This is not me trying to promote something that I've done. This is me trying to convince myself to do it. And I've had so many people trying to convince me to do it. And eventually I will. Eventually I will. And if Ethan is successfully doing this, which it sounds like he is, and I can't believe I didn't work this out for myself, that's just more evidence that it's time to start doing this. Yeah. For as long as we can anyway. Yeah. You know, because eventually maybe they'll say that we can't. But while we can, why not? How's this, man? I'm more of the old school, right? Because I actually worked um, in a promotions and marketing role for like nearly 10 years, right? Um, so I know, you know, I, I'm aware of all those avenues of, you know, how to do it, what to do, blah, blah, blah. I, I know they exist and I'm aware of them, right? But so at the football club I used to work for, I used to work um, at the Eastern Suburbs Tigers Rugby League Football Club in Cooparoo in Brisbane. And my, I was in a promotions and marketing role there. So it was my job to get, you know, promote the club, get people in the doors. And when they were inside then to obviously control the marketing and promotions of things within the club itself. But one of the most effective things that we would do, right? So, you know, I, I developed email marketing platforms. I developed SMS platforms. I um, did so many things for that place and, and, you know, trying to make people aware of what was going on to get them back and get them spending money, etc. That was my That was my job, right? The one, tell you what the most effective one of, of getting a message to someone was into making them aware of what's going on, if they were already in inside the business, inside the club, was to basically, to physically put a piece of paper in their hand or put it in right, literally right in front of their face with what you wanted to show them. Sending them an email or you know, a text message, whatever, it, it fell on deaf ears that we found. And you know I used to survey a lot of people as well to find out what the best way is. And, and I would spend two hours photocopying and cutting up you know, little A5 size pieces of paper with what I wanted on to, to, to market a particular message that day. And I would put it, literally put it on every single seat in that place. Well, I'm talking like 500 seats around the place, within the restaurant, gaming machines, lounges, coffee shops. I would put one on every single seat. So someone had to pick it up and look at it and move it and read it. You know what I mean? And while they were sitting waiting, they'd be reading. And, I, and that was extremely effective. People were... It increased awareness of what was going on like nearly 200%. Like it was crazy. So I've taken that on board and I've gone old school with regards to the, my website and podcast now. So what I've actually done is I've ordered a whole bunch of stickers um, and I'm actually going to be doing some guerrilla marketing. So I'm going to be going to basically putting stickers on, you know, back of stop signs that stop traffic lights. And, you know, the, when you're sitting in a, at a stoplight and you look to your sign, you see a sign there. Yep. I'm going to be putting a sticker on there. I'm going to be putting them on bus stops. I'm going to be putting them all around places where people are going to be sitting, looking uh, looking at things. And again, I'm going to get people to, to jump on my websites and to, to do it that way. I'm going to be sort of doing it in a sense where it's just in your face all the time um, and, or basically in their hand. The other reason why I'm doing it is because that's actually a as a, uh, a reward for joining one of my ten, all the $10 tier uh, for my Patreon subscribers. So if you want to jump on there... Um, I'll send you, actually physically mail you a couple of stickers that you can actually either put in your car or stick them on someone else's car if you want to, but you can do it that way. So you're promoting me, but you're also, um, you know, you're promoting that that's who you support as well. So that's, that's I'm going a bit gorilla on this one to see if that works. Excellent. Mm. Excellent. I love the sound of it. You know, Ethan, I don't know if he still does, but he used to be part of that action group who'd get together once a month in Brisbane and hand out flyers about 9-11. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Did you ever join one of those action group? I was in it, but I never went to any of the rallies or did anything like that. Um, Maybe we should save it for the second hour, but I'm curious to know why. There must have been a reason why you never popped, popped down there. I did a couple of times. I was there a couple of times. Yeah, look, I, I never, I didn't. That's actually uh, how I met Ethan, to tell you the truth. If I, I'd I think worked, I told you this before. Back then, if I'd known you back when I, I actually used to work in the city, I used to work in hotels, but, um, you know, I worked at the Marriott and the Siebel and all those sort of places in, in, the, in the city there. But if I knew you when I still worked in town, I definitely would have. It was more about, you know, I didn't really want to have to go in and commute or pay for parking or whatever. I mean, that, look, maybe I was just a bit lazy about it then, but. Um, you know, when I sort of caught, gotten onto you guys and doing what I was doing, I'd already had, you know, I was married and I had, I had a daughter and, and a son and, you know, it was a bit difficult, you know, I'm a dad, so I've got to be home and do things. And it's, I was finding a little bit less time to, to do the activist part of what I want to do, you know, like, um, even when I do podcasts and, and thing, um, I don't know, there's just something about me that just wants to be, I guess, with my family all the time, um. Mm, okay, fair enough. Did you ever meet Herman, the guy who runs the Brisbane 9-11 Action Group? Nope, never met Herman either. 
knew no, of him but didn't meet him either. So, yeah. This is very much inside baseball. A lot of listeners are like, who are all these people? But I can't help but take a little walk down memory lane. It's been a phenomenal <laughs> six years for me. I mean, like to think... I can't believe you're started. actually overseas doing what you're doing now. I mean, that to me, I, I, I thought you were still in Australia doing it. And then when Ethan told me, he said, no, no, he's in like, uh, it's Malaysia, isn't it you're in? I'm currently in Malaysia. Yeah. I've been to over the last Vietnam 18 over like, Yeah, I was in Vietnam for six months and then yeah. uh, Thailand as well. So I've just been kind of bouncing around. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm like, fuck, I, I, wish, I, I wish I was able to do something like that now. But I mean, obviously, it's a bit hard to when you, you can't just uproot a family, I guess. It's a bit harder to do it that way. But um you know, you're in a good you know what I wish? Let me tell you what I wish, Lily. I wish I could come home at night and there's a cute little girl or boy who are happy to see me and say, Dad, and give me a hug. Mate, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the grass is always greener on yeah. the other side. You know yeah, what I mean? I know. But I know. In, in, in saying that, it is pretty cool. This apartment in me right now, like, it was raining before. I don't know if that came through the mic, but I've got a, a, uh, an apartment here on the 13th floor. It costs me in Australian dollars, like 370 a month. That's all bills included. And I've got my own studio apartment. I've got everything I need. Food here is so cheap. I can basically live a, a decent life for half of what it would cost in Australia. And that means I can get by on what I do with the site. So what started out as a harebrained scheme has come to fruition. And even I still can't really quite believe it, to tell yeah, you the truth. And you're, you're seeing the world and you're experiencing other cultures and stuff. That's awesome. You know what I mean? And I think you've picked a good region. Southeast Asia is, um, yeah, you're right. It's Unless you go unless you go to Singapore, it's really cheap. <laughs> uh, don't go to Singapore. It's too expensive. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. You're right. It's, you know, Malaysia Ram right now is kind of like the poor man Singapore. Oh, and right. What, yeah. And what tends to happen is the successful uh, Malaysians or the ones who dream big, they go to Singapore. So... <laughs> So what you're kind of left with here, and hopefully no Malaysians ever listen to this, Malaysia's kind of like, can you imagine if you did a brain drain on Australia and all the brains went to one city? What would the rest of the country look like? Mm. <laughs> that's, so kind of, that's kind of how Malaysia is. There's, they're very, by the way, they're very developed and advanced, and I'm not criticizing the country, but the point I'm making is you know, that the Malaysian culture seems to be, like Malaysian and Singapore are so similar. Their history is the same. And yet in the space of 30 or 40 years, one place has become like a super advanced, high tech, high uh, education based. Clean. You know, well, clean. Malaysia is pretty clean as well, but like just, you know, just a couple hundred kilometers down the road is is the super advanced version of where I am right now. And anyone here who wants to make it, they go, they take that trip down to Singapore, and that's where they go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, right. And yeah, it's uh, it's a funny little dichotomy that I never really understood because I've been to Singapore before, but now that I've been to Malaysia, I can kind of understand it. If you're a young, uh, up-and-coming, well-to-do person in Malaysia, you want to do well at school and do well in uh, your applications and get a job in Singapore. That's the plan. And, and then if that doesn't happen, the next best option is sour grapes. Oh, and everyone's going to Singapore anyway. Those guys are all up themselves. You know, I'd rather stay. <laughs> uh, I love Asian food too. Their food, I mean, obviously, you got to like the cuisine, but uh, it's really good. I, I love the fact that you can live so cheaply, man. Like $400 a month, man, that is sensational. I mean, you're paying that for a week here in a shitty bloody two-bedroom, three or maybe three-bedroom, one-bathroom house here in, in, in Brisbane. I know people. Bro, I was living that. in Groveley, right, which is basically the end of the line in Brisbane. I was paying six hundred bucks Aussie for one per month for one bedroom, okay, in a share house. Dude. So I'm paying less here for an apartment that has a pool, has a gym. I've got a view of the city. I'm looking at the city right now as we speak. It's just insane. That's you know, so and, and this and this was a, a dream of mine years ago, and then to think that it's all come to fruition. But before any of the dream even happened, it was all just let's podcast and talk about the truth on the ARP with Ethan and with the Silver Fox. And who was our special guest twice? Well, it was Real News Australia, the general, Lee Maddox. And now I'm talking to you again. I can't help but get a little bit sentimental. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? And I just wanted to, I'll just put this out there for the folks who don't know. Um, if you, you, obviously you hear John and you hear Ethan and a lot of Andy and a lot of my friends, they all, they refer to me as general. And I write under the name General Maddox on my articles. And that was the pseudonym I chose to write under. Um, the reason why I chose that um, I wanted to sort of look. It has like a almost like a double-edged sword. It, it can be seen as a uh, you know people see a general in front of someone's name. and think, oh, he, he's obviously very high up. He's important. He knows what he's doing. He's a leader. Um, that wasn't really what I was going for, but it does have that that nuance to it. What I was actually going for is that uh, I'm just your 
your your average general run-of-the-mill kind of guy that was and i was trying to show that you know i'm i'm just just me in general and anyone can do this you know that was my my way of looking at it it's just me you know i'm just i'm just average basically but i didn't want to say <laughs> general sounds better than saying average maddox you know what i mean general maddox sounds better <laughs> so i went with that one that's yeah. the reason why I, I write under that basically um generically yeah. maddox doesn't have the same ring to it Correct. does it <laughs> Well, I tell you what, we've uh, already got to the end of the first hour. So if it's cool with you, we'll stop the first hour, come back for the second hour. We've got a ton of topics to talk about in the second hour. We've got vaccines, which I know is one of the topics you focus on the most at Real News Australia. We've got coronavirus, the riots, the bushfires. And I also want to talk a little bit about Alex Jones and Zeitgeist. So the second hour of this call is bound to be a good one. But uh, we need to wrap up the first hour of the call. So on June 3, 2020, I'm John the Bond coming to you from Kuala Lumpur. We've got with us... The generic Lee Maddox coming to us from Logan, <laughs> halfway between Brisbane and the Gold Coast. He'll be back for the second hour of the call in just a moment, which you can get at johnthebond.com. But for now, that'll do us. So thank you very much. We'll see you for hour two in just a minute. Thanks for the first hour,